Welcome to The World Awaits. Travel tales to inspire your wanderlust. I'm Kirsty Bedford, journalist, editor and travel writer. And I'm Belinda Jackson, author, travel journalist and columnist. And we're your weekly co-hosts. Hi there, we're back. Happy New Year to everyone. To officially end our summer series, this week, Belle and I are going to discuss... Well, that might be too light a word, Belle. <laughs> Sounds like a punch off. <laughs> Two of Victoria's best playgrounds, and I'm not going to ask you how your week was because you're in the place where we're going to discuss. So we'll just keep that one under wraps for now. Yeah, I can't wait to do our playground playoff. But before that um, debate, uh, a little travel, a-, a little travel news for you with the top tourism spots that Australians love to hate. So I'm going to have to take a deep breath here because there are some that I'm just not. I'm just not happy about. <laughs> okay, well, don't kill the messenger, but according to the International Drivers Association, while Australians are wildly travelled, ironically, there are a few local spots we'd rather not visit. Kicking off with, I'm sorry about this, but Surfers Paradise on the Gold Coast, and the Gold Coast actually wins with three of the top ten holiday spots that we allegedly hate. So the reason for surfers was due to high rise, blocking beach views, sky high prices. Oh my God, I have to say, I'm sorry, but it, you have to go to the hinterland because, you know, stunning. Anyway, Broad Beach is hated for its casino and shopping malls and Cable Ave is apparently full of overpriced food and beverages. Yeah, well, well the Gold Coast would not want that gong. Um but then, you know, you cannot get a seat on a flight to the Gold Coast because it totally chocked. So there's something going on there. Um, the uh, Gold Coast was followed by King's Cross, which used to rank high amongst Sydney's nightlife destinations, but the rowdy and unruly nightlife has made many Australians vow never to return. I actually lived there at one point in my life, and I don't know why it's news that it's rowdy. It's always been a wild ride up at the cross, and seriously, who goes to the cross in the daytime? And in Melbourne, um, we're just going to step back locally, Fed Square, Federation Square, made the list for its unconventional modern architecture, confounding access routes, and apparently a lack of shade is what we're worried about. I have to admit, look, I'm not a huge fan of the actual square hanging out in like the main square, but in saying that, if you slip into the NGV, there are loads of galleries with works by Australia's best artists, including Indigenous art, and then duck down to Riverland Bar for a little bite and a glass of vino and, hello, stunning river views. Yeah, right. And also, um, staying in Melbourne, Williamstown made the list. Pretty Williamstown with its necklace of restaurants, historic buildings and sparkling beach. The survey says that despite those gorgeous views and unique maritime history, it is snubbed because it takes too long to get there. I mean, if we were all worried worried about distance, we wouldn't go anywhere. But seriously, Williamstown is 20 minutes from the centre of Melbourne. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's so neat. Um, and, oh, God, I hate even reporting on this one as well. So Perth somehow made the list as well. Oh, because it is beautiful and serene, but it's also viewed as dreary after dark when the shops close early and the streets can feel deserted. And we'll put the full list in the show notes, but we have to say we cannot believe that lovely Launceston and Tassie was also on the list, apparently because it's isolated and quiet. Isn't that the main reason you're going? (laughs) Well, just lucky that travel is so subjective, right? You're listening to The World Awaits. We'd love it if you could leave us a rating and a review on your favourite podcast platform. 
Now to our great Victorian playground debate. This summer, Kirsty and I have gone old school in our holiday choices. I've spent weeks on the Mornington Peninsula while Kirsty's on Phillip Island. Both holiday destinations are less than two hours from Melbourne. We've both spent years at these beachside spots, so we thought we'd do a little wrap-up of the best walks, eats, drinks, and a few new activities that you should have on your radar. So I'm going to kick off with Phillip Island. So first things first, what there is to do, and oh my God, I could fill an entire podcast with this question, um, but we are going to just keep it to top five things, which is unfortunate because we both feel like there is so much more. No, we haven't done just, no, we haven't just done one thing, like one top five. We've done a top five of this is our absolute top, and then the, this is also a top five of, the, yeah, it's not really a top five. But anyway, we'll crack on. But anyway, right? we, 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 we want to include more, but this is, this is you know. Well, we would not everyone commit. Yeah. Um, so we can, you know, we can't, we can't talk for hours. Well, we could actually talk for hours, but anyway, back, back to the topic. So there are two things that most people would think about when they, when you mentioned Phillip Island and that's the penguins and the Grand Prix. But my favorite thing to do on the island are actually all related to nature. So I think that if you're going to go to Phillip Island, it's really the main reason that you would go there because while you can actually eat and drink until your heart's content, it's the hikes and the beaches that are really well factor. So my favourite hike is the Cape Wollemai Walk. So you access that from the Cape Wollemai um, Beach Car Park and you basically can go walk along the beach and then up, up the hill and you can you can basically hike every day of the week if you wanted to and even on this just the Cape Wollemai Walk because there are lots of different trails just on that walk. So if you do the longest walk to the Beacon, which is Phillip Island's highest point, and you go via the dramatic rock formation called the Pinnacles, you'll get incredible 360-degree views across the entire island. So, as I mentioned, there's a couple of different trails, but if you do that one, that's about eight kilometres return, and the views are just stunning. And if you go early or late in the day, because, you know, you want to avoid snakes, um, then you'll almost certainly see wallabies and possibly the elusive echidna. And if you want to venture a little further... Take a hike along the George Bass Coastal Walk, which is one of my absolute favourites. And if you've got a dog and you're local, and obviously, um, you can take the dog with you on that walk too. Um, and that goes from, it actually goes either way. So you can start at San Remo or you can start at Kilcunda, which is a gorgeous little South Gippsland town. And it has a great general store with the best homemade um, baked muffins you'll ever have. So grab a coffee and follow the trail back so good. to San Remo. So it's about 7Ks each way, though, so you just need to be prepared. And there's a beach sort of partway along, so you can stop there. And if you've got your dog, you can your dog can have a swim. Well, my best walk on the Mornington Peninsula is not quite as big of a commitment. It is the walk to Bush Rangers Bay, which is a sandy 40-minute trail from the lighthouse at Cape Shank to the most spectacular rock pools you will ever submerge yourself into. The rock pools are deep and cold. Um, best to visit at low tide when it's safe because then the ocean isn't trying to smash the rocky shore and it does get quite dangerous. It's absolutely worth the walk. You can actually see it. I was there a couple of days ago. You can see it on my Instagram. It's amazing. Um, I know, right? It's just the water is absolutely turquoise. It's incredible. So take your swimmers. And do keep your eye out for wallabies and the odd snake on hot days as well. Yeah, God, those pesky snakes. Um, and now to beaches. So it's a tough one on Phillip Island because four of the island's beaches are actually named a national surfing reserve, including my favourite beach, 
um, which is the one kilometre long Smith's Beach. So if you want to try surfing lessons, Smith's is a place to do it, and it's patrolled. So uh, it's actually you know really good safe beach for kids. Um, and a little piece of local advice, if you walk all the way to the left, if you're facing the ocean, there's a little lookout, it's a, there's a little cliff, and if you if you climb up there, it's kind of a bit of a climb, um, but it's a tiny climb, then you just get these incredible views over the ocean, and you can actually see right out across to Pyramid Rock, so it's just absolutely beautiful. Um, and if you grab some hot chips and a coffee at the general store, and then you can just, before you leave, then come down, then you can just sit down on the sand and just soak up the views. Yeah, that's a, that's a brilliant one. Well, my my favourite beach on the peninsula is the one I've been holidaying at all my life. Literally, I had my first beach holiday here when I was six weeks old, and that is Safety Beach. It was it was really overlooked until about a decade ago because um, it's just such a classic, a safe, family friendly beach on the bay side of the peninsula, which is much calmer. It's so it's not patrolled but it's protected by sandbars all the year around. You could visit the wild back beaches of the peninsula for surf or dramatic walks. But I love my beach because it's just it's got a cruisy foreshore trail that leads to little piers, great cafes, including the pink Cafe del Sol caravan. And I think part of the reason it was overlooked was it used to be called Shark Bay, um, if you want a piece of peninsula history, because further up uh, up on Arthur's Seat, there were abattoirs and they would just wash all of the blood out into the into the bay and there were sharks everywhere. So in the 50s, after the abattoirs had closed down, um, it's a, a canny councillor, so the story goes, decided that they needed a bit of a PR rebranding exercise and called it Safety Beach, and which is what it's been ever since. How ironic. Um, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> How clever was that guy? Um must say I do love Safety Beach, but um, back to Phillip Island, and the island is renowned for adventure, as most people would know. But if you want to take things to new heights, then my best tip is to take a scenic helicopter ride with Phillip Island helicopters, and it's really reasonable. It starts the um, helicopter flights start at one hundred and thirty dollars. I think that's for eight minutes, and you just get these mind blowing views over the coastline, and you can choose which way you go. So you can either go over um, the racetrack and Smith's Beach, or you can go over Cape Bulamai, and there's other tracks too, that go, other sort of routes, sorry, that go over um, Churchill Island. Um, so we chose Cape Bulamai, and um, and I was just absolutely mind-blown by the fact that you could see the reef and every colour of blue that you could possibly imagine. Uh, and it really just shows the island and all its sort of dramatic coastal glory, because it's quite raw and, and just magnificent so um you can actually check out that uh helicopter ride i did on my instagram page which is kirsty writes so this was a really hard one for me to choose um best adventure on the mornington peninsula but i'm going with soft adventure and that is the hot springs the peninsula has amazing subterranean natural springs which you can experience at the really well-known peninsula hot springs and its new more adult friendly neighbor alba I'd say if you're going to the Peninsula Hot Springs, book really early in the morning, as early as 7am for serene bathing surrounded by bushland. And if you've got kids with you, the ice cave, the fiery saunas, the freezing plunge pools are great, um, but it does get pretty crazy after 10am, especially during the holidays. This is actually one a great place that you can go to when it's not a beach day, when it's not a hot sunny beach day. And Lord knows we've had a few of those this summer, yeah. but um. The hot springs are brilliant because then, yeah, it's just, it's, you know, you're in and out of hot pools and stuff like that. 
it's actually better on a cold day and it's incredible at winter. All the locals go during the winter. And all the health benefits of those hot springs. Yeah. I love Albus. Um, Fourth on my top travel to do on Phillip Island list is wildlife. So a little tip here, but if you wander up to the nobbies, um, you're highly likely to see penguins just sort of waddling around in their own purpose-built burrows, sort of just outside. Um, And he's so cute. Uh, But if you want to ensure that you definitely get a look at them, because obviously, you know, sometimes you you can't see them, then you can actually go and book the penguin parade. So uh, actually, this area of Phillip Island is one of the largest little penguin colonies in the world. And if you do book to see them, just make sure you book in advance. So especially in school holidays or Christmas holidays, you sometimes have to book probably even months in advance, but definitely weeks. No, really? Definitely weeks. It's not if it, yeah, it's always booked down. Yeah. So and there's signs often around the island that say, you know, penguins aren't penguin parade booked out. Um also hire an e-bike from Super Cruiser and Cows. They have these fat bikes. They're they're called fat bikes. They look like because obviously they look like they've got fat tires and they're so much fun. Um, they're so much more fun than a standard e-bike. And if you're cruising around the back roads of the island, so you can take these e-bikes sort of anywhere around the island you like. You just hire them for a, f- a few hours. Um, you will see go past hobby farms and local producers and you'll almost definitely see wallabies. So that's a great thing to do, particularly if there are visitors here from other parts of the world who maybe haven't seen a wallaby. And it's just so, I just love seeing wallabies in the wild. I don't think I will ever tire of it. And I've lived in Australia for nearly 20 years. So I just don't think you can ever tire of that. We've also seen echidnas on a bike from Smith's Beach to San Remo. That's about 11Ks each way. So that's a really nice bike too. There's also the Koala Conservation Reserve where you can come face to face with koalas. Who doesn't love koalas? And they're in their natural habitat. So um <laughs> <laughs> you can see them along the treetop boardwalks. Ah, uh, yeah, they're fantastic. It's so great to see them. And they're so prolific there as well. Yeah. Um, and on the peninsula, so for a head of wildlife, you can visit the lovely moonlit sanctuary in Pearsdale, which has some truly excellent wombats. And um, but and, and I always spot wallabies when I'm walking around Arthur's Seat, which is um, the like, well, they call it a mountain, but it's not. It's a hill. Like people, it's a hill. Um, but like, it's had a chairlift running up it. <laughs> That's had a chairlift running up it since I was a wee girl, and now it's um, much more zhuzhi gondolas. But they're still—it's a really beautiful thing to do if you don't want to walk up Arthur Seat, which I which I did last week, and highly recommend. Uh, wallabies all over the joint, um, and usually there's a seal or two to be found along the bay beaches. There's one hanging out at Ripe here at the mar- at the moment. Last year we had Henry the elephant seal dropped in from Antarctica. And incredibly, there's, I know they lie there, and and I don't know about you, but um, the one that we saw uh, last year, like he he has a harem of ladies that he keeps out on an island, <laughs> and he comes back in and he lies there, and he thinks it's so awesome, and he just lies on for sure, but he stings so much. I can say about Parks, but I won't. <laughs> but he absolutely stings, and Parks Victoria um fences off an area around him so that he has free range, and also so you you know if you take your kids down to see them. They, you know, the kids know that they can't just run up and down just this ginormous, reeking um, bull seal. But um, there's also a pod of rare endemic dolphins living in Port Phillip Bay, and you can take an eco, eco tour to swim with them um, through a couple of local companies, including longtime family-owned Polpero Dolphin Swims, which operates out of Sorrento. And I confess I've never done the dolphin swim, but it's top of my list. 
And I think that we need to, you know, the good thing about doing these two is, is that it makes us think about how to protect them better. And um, okay, I'm I'm just going to put a quick kick in here and say that we need better policing of jet skis around wildlife. But often in the quiet months, you will see simply see dolphins from the shore. We see them just coasting past, and we often we always see loads of rays here as well, just flittering under the under the piers. And um, and if you are at Flinders Pier. This is the home of weedy sea dragons. And David Attenborough actually joined a campaign to stop uh, significant works on Flinders Pier in the last couple of years to preserve this colony of these tiny, beautiful little seahorses. And they just, um, they literally float past your face. They're amazing. Yeah. It's just one of the most beautiful things to do. The water is freezing. I've um, never done it with warm water, but they're worth it. Oh, amazing. All right, now on to food and wine. So back to Philip Island. <laughs> Buckle up, people. <laughs> um, okay, so my tip on Philip Island is to firstly give back to the local community. Um, always give back to the local community, but you can do this by visiting the island market. So there are a number of markets on the island. There are markets at Rill and uh, on Churchill Island, but my favourite are the Cows Foreshore Markets. Uh, where the, all the storeholders are basically lined along the foreshore, so it's really pretty. Um, and you'll find everything there from locally made candles and other crafts to artisan producers and food trucks. Uh, you can pretty much find everything there. I mean, it's great. We bought actually bought some great T-shirts for the kids with Smith's Beach written on them. Um, but And they're all made locally. And it's not fashion. It's just great. Yeah, it's just great to support, support local. Um, so, yes. Next is Purple Hen Winery and Rill. So that's a bit of a must visit as well. There's just really lovely views from there. And the best wine, in my view, is the Pinot Noir, although I'm a bit partial to Pinot Noir. But this one is like is like drinking velvet. So um, you cannot mm-hmm. go past it. It's just so delicious, good. delicious. And for food, make sure you visit Pinot Trattoria and the main street of cows. So Pinot, as, as it's known by everyone on the island, is an Italian family-run business, and you almost always see the original owner, Rosa, who started the restaurant with her husband, Pino, when you go there. So um, she's a little Italian lady, um, and she's always walking around serving customers and and um, got a big smile on her face, and I can promise you that the food there will take you straight back to the streets of Italy. Um, it certainly does for me every time, and I've never had a bad meal there, not once. And for great coffee, because, you know, we always need to know where to get good coffees, or in my case, chai latte, because I don't drink coffee, do yeah. not go past G'day Tiger. So, again, it's on the main street of cows. It's like a little kind of got a little window. Um, you don't really sit in there, but you just grab a takeaway coffee, um, and they just do, in my opinion, one of the best chai lattes in Victoria. Big call. Oh, that sounds it's a big, that is a big call. That is a big call. Well, um, if you're on the Mornington Peninsula, as you know, it is chockers with wineries. Anything from Ocean's 8 is worth seeking out, and they have the most beautiful hidden winery. And then there's Tedesco, which is one of the most talked about but hardest restaurants to get into simply because it's so tiny. I'm back on the wait list. Um, but more accessible, there is the awesome Dramana Industrial Estate where you'll find Jimmy Rum Distillery, Bass and Flinders distills gin there. There's a gluten-free brewer, a vegan dairy, a solar-powered bakery. And also on the other side of the peninsula is the must-visit 100-year-old Merrick's General Store, which is the perfect breakfast spot, hugely Instagrammable. 
Um, for best coffee, I would say Common Folk Roasters in Mornington or Little Rebel in Dramana, which is back in that industrial estate. But you can also get, and you can get Little Rebel all over the peninsula. Actually, you can get both of them. Um, you could drop into Laneway Cafe on Dramana's main drag. And that's that Dramana is actually having a, a, a big food renaissance in there with cute little bars and, and seafood. But for picnics amongst the vines um, or standout food in its restaurant, Polpero Winery on a beautiful day cannot be beat. Just book ahead for um, so you can actually take a picnic and go into the into a number of um, designated picnic areas uh, along the property, or and you'll just see kids running around the playground and stuff like that, where you're eating really um, top notch uh, seasonal locally produced seasonal food, and a lot of that comes from Polpero's own farm itself there on the peninsula. But for a better budget option, the town of Mornington is having an excellent pizza standoff between two big names in the business, DSC and 400 Grady, which is a one-time winner of the world's best margarita pizza, which is an annual competition held in Naples. Or from DOC, here's my hot tip, Kirsty, if you've got a pile of kids around, you can actually buy their fabulous pizza dough um, and take it away and make your own, if you've got a pizza oven or just a, an oven that roars at home and make your own pizzas at home. Or simply grab fish and chips. I know, it's an awesome one. Um, oh, yeah, just grab fish and chips and find a spot on any beach. Cannot be beat. But we're going to put a link to all of these fantastic places in the trip notes for a holiday cheat sheet to the Phillip Island and the Mornington Peninsula. Our tip this week is about helping you choose the safest airline. Good news for travelling Australians with the release of website Airline Ratings 2024 Top 25 Safest Airlines Award. Airline Ratings is the world's only airline safety rating website and it's headed up by Perth-based aviation expert Geoffrey Thomas, who is an absolute guru in this industry. And it found that the world's safest airline is... Can you give me a drum roll, Belle? You're so good at the drum roll. <laughs> I love a good drum roll. Verbal drum roll, better. Um, this do a great verbal drum roll. Air New Zealand. Air New Zealand. Ooh. Followed by Qantas and Virgin Australia. I know. we uh, The three Australasian airlines beat off all the biggest names, including Etihad, Emirates and Qatar, which came in fourth, fifth and sixth places respectively, followed by Japan's Al or Nippon Airways, Finnair and then Cathay Pacific. And Jeffrey says that um, it was a very tight competition between Air New Zealand and Qantas, with the age of their fleets being the tipping point, while Air New Zealand has a younger fleet and Qantas is on a shopping spree for a more youthful fleet. Okay, so now we know who is the safest to fly. Now they've just got to run on time. <laughs> so we'll put a link to those awards in the show notes as well. Next week, we're back to normal programming, and I chat with Andrew Conway, who's been a travel journalist for more than four decades, about his recent trips to the polar regions. Oh, I can't wait for that. That's both Antarctica and the Arctic, isn't it, Kirsty? It is. Ah, uh, cool. Um, and if you would like to help support our production costs, you can buy us a coffee at coffee.com, which is K-O hyphen F-I dot com forward slash the world awaits. 
so we can continue to bring you inspirational travel interviews with the world's best. And that's a wrap for The World Awaits this week. Click to subscribe anywhere you listen to your favourite pods. And where can people find you, Kirsty? I'm at Kirsty Writes on Instagram. That's K-I-R-S-T-I-E-W-R-I-T-E-S. And where can people find you, Belle? You can find me at globalsalsa.com or on Instagram at global underscore salsa. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Hold up. 